If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kids subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in cancel subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all and don't take into account each person's individual needs, which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. Scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning. Cup of murder. After living out an entire lifetime, one would hope the elderly can just simply relax in their last handful of years on this earth. But some people, like the man in today's story, born on October 2nd, 1889, just can't let the elderly live their lives. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Carl Menarek was born on October 2nd, 1889, and by June of 1914, immigrated from his native Austria-Hungary to New York City, where he worked as a porter for the German Oddfellows home in what is now the Bronx. This home housed about 250 orphans and 100 elderly men and women. And pretty early on, the German-speaking Karl fit right in and cemented a reputation as a well-liked employee and friend to the residents. Unfortunately, while working at the nursing home and caring for those who needed it most, Karl, who was now going by the name Frederick Moores, soon started exhibiting signs of megalomania. Wearing a white lab coat and having the residents address him as Herr Doctor. Despite all of this, things seemed to be going smoothly at the Oddfellows home. That was until the first patient of what would be many left the home in a hearse. Now, there are two versions of how Frederick Morris went from being a well liked caretaker to a monstrous serial killer in the eyes of the public. The result, though, was exactly the same. 
In the first version of events, after about four months and 17 victims, the administration grew suspicious and took their case to investigators. In the second, Frederick himself went to the DA after being fired, claiming that there were deaths at the home that needed to be investigated, but of course did not implicate himself. Regardless of how they learned about the deaths, investigators started looking into the odd deaths at the odd fellow's home and realized the number was unusually high even for an establishment housing the elderly. Realizing all of these patients were cared for by Frederick Moores, he became their prime suspect. When questioned, he calmly confessed to killing eight of the 17 deceased residents, saying that he used arsenic for the first and chloroform for the others, to, quote, put them out of their misery. He went on in greater detail saying, first I would pour a drop or two of chloroform on a piece of absorbent cotton and hold it to the nostrils of the old person. Soon my man would swoon. Then I would close the orifices of the body with cotton, stuffing it in the ears, nostrils, and so on. Next, I would pour a little chloroform down the throat and prevent the fumes from escaping the same way. His story was soon backed up by a few different sources, with the mortician claiming that he noticed red marks similar to chloroform burns on one of his victims, and another, one of the orphans in the home, claiming she went on an errand for the staff and delivered a bottle of chloroform from employee Max Ring to Frederick Moores, who was in a patient's room who just so happened to die the following day. Surrendering to police on February 2nd, 1915, a remorseless Frederick Moores was taken into custody where his detailed story took a sudden turn. According to Frederick's new version of events, the homicides were not his idea. No, he now claimed he did so at the encouragement and behest of the home's superintendent and other officials who described the elderly patients as a lot of trouble and no good anyhow. So, three days later, the superintendent and three other officials joined Frederick in jail, and the Oddfellows Lodge refused to pay their bail. Shortly after his arrest, Frederick Moore was seen by medical professionals who diagnosed him with megalomania and committed him to Poughkeepsie's Hudson River State Hospital for the insane. Because of this, his employer and co-workers were released and the case was dismissed leaving many scratching their heads and wondering if an entire staff just got away with murder. 27-year-old Frederick Moores, while awaiting possible deportation back to Austria, managed to escape River State Hospital in May of 1916. He was never recaptured, and authorities announced that he was not considered dangerous. There is speculation that he turned up a time or two after his disappearance, but the articles differed so much, it's hard to discern fact from conjecture. His fate remains unknown to this day. Because toxicology was at its infancy at the time, and because the coroner deemed it unnecessary to exhume the bodies of the potential victims as chloroform could not be detected, it's difficult to know how much of this story is true and just how much Frederick Moores was responsible. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on October 3rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 